A note. Following advice from work-life imbalance may lead to action being taken by HR, your family, the authorities, or higher powers. Welcome to Work-Life Imbalance, an advice show focusing on workplace and lifestyle issues. Any resemblance to actual advice, living or dead, or actual wisdom is purely coincidental. I'm your monstrous manager, Frank Eastman. And I am your lovable office companion, Derek Lewis. Today, we'll be discussing... Misunderstandings with coworkers in the deep dive before we answer an audience question and an issue from the internet. But first, time for the daily stand-up. Was that a little too high energy? That was, I mean, it was a bit high energy, Derek. See, I've had a whole week off of like not having to be funny, and I've got a whole lot pent up, so I'm like just fucking raring and ready to go. So like. Yeah, but I don't you, know. you gotta have it controlled, man. Not just a fire hose of funny. You gotta you gotta get it down to one of those little uh, water-based cutting tools that uh, can cut through anything. <laughs> yeah, that would be a much better uh, much better tool for for my comedy than what it is. They always say it's a it's a marathon, not a sprint. Um, look, I gotta run as fast as I can until people figure out I'm not funny. So, like, we gotta get it while I can. So, too late, baby. Too late. The high high energy, though, is good because I wanted to talk about something that happened or something that I did, rather. Okay. So I'm I'm vibrating with anticipation. As we had noted, like a couple of weeks ago at this point, I ended up going to a Christian comedy tour. Right. Which... Uh, was a great surprise to me, and it made me happy. Not that you went. Well, I guess, yeah, the fact that you went. Uh, not not the fact that you were subject to it, but that they were subjected to you. That was fantastic. Indeed. <laughs> so, to balance the scales, as it were, I decided to go to a ghost concert. A ghost concert? Yes. Ghost is that band. There's always that band that's out, like Judas Priest and Ozzy Osbourne, Black Flag, right. stuff like that, that just the the religious leaders get really up in arms about it. And Ghost is currently that one. The ones that are printed uh, very frequently in uh, evangelical newsletters <laughs> on, on what to, to watch on your, at first it was like, here are the bands, you know, Judas Priest, things like that for you to watch on your, uh, ch- kids albums that they purchase, make sure they don't purchase albums with that. Um, then you have, uh, cassettes, which I, I guess that, that might be closer to Ozzy Osbourne. They could still, he's still definitely records. Um, then you have like CDs, which was probably like corn or something like that. Um, and then like your MP3s, I guess, I guess from MP3 forward, we can kind of do like MP3 players. And, uh, the most modern iteration is now watch your MP kids, MP3 player or iPhone for ghost. Yeah, exactly. I like it. So (laughs) when, when they're touring, you know, they're the, they're the folks that like the local preacher gets up in arms about them coming to town and stuff like that. Eliciting protests and stuff like that. Exactly. And so this is... Uh, this is really, it's not heavy, heavy metal. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it was, it's a metal genre, right? A little more in the orchestral metal, it's like Gothic metal or Gothic, yeah, Gothic, uh, uh, like theatrical metal is, is sort yeah. of like, you know, we've got keyboards that sound like organs and stuff going on. Right. But it, it's got some pretty good, you know, rumble to it. Uh, right. There's some there's some good guitar work. This is a Swedish metal band, after all. Some nice shredding, if you will. Yeah, there's some shredding going on, and it is not quiet music. Right. 
Uh, All of this to say, I was expecting to show up, and there were, of course, you know, those metal kids that are, they've got the face paint on, everybody's wearing black, everybody is wearing black, (laughs) and Uh, and we're there, we're at the concert, everybody is rocking the hell out, it is loud, it is very sort of theatrically... um, I'm trying I'm trying not to say like it's the music of the antichrist that they're trying to put together but it's kind of the music of the antichrist that they're trying like but all tongue in cheek <laughs> they're they're workshopping the soundtrack to the antichrist for when he comes on stage like a, like a WWE uh wrestler entrance like that's what they're trying to create with their their sound I mean at some point there was a skeletal pope who came out for a saxophone solo so that's the juxtaposition <laughs> that we have See, i was on board until the skeletal pope playing the saxophone because i mean just he can't you can't be a skeleton and play a fucking woodwind instrument like or or I mean, brass he's, as he's it were very frail. you can't fucking do it frank he's very frail like, he doesn't have skin or lungs like he can't blow air like he is he is an ancient wizened pope like figure who comes out on stage to do a saxophone solo and then is led away by his attendants like James Brown. <laughs> so the thing is, like, in the fiction, is he supposed to be a skeleton or is, is he just an evil pope that is painted like a skeleton? I think this he's just important. an evil pope that's painted like a skeleton. It's okay, best not right. to get too deep into this, Derek. <laughs> no, no, no. Fuck you. You can't tell me where, where my mind to go. I... I want to believe that these are all real. <laughs> it it is the it is the month of December where people believe in a big fat jolly motherfucker that brings presents. I can believe in a I believe in a skeleton pope. <laughs> Merry Krampus not. Now, all of this all of this preamble, this enormous preamble is to say that I am at this satanic metal show. Uh-huh. And Tobias is in between songs because this is such an overwrought theatrical band that each song we have to cut the lights so he can do a costume <laughs> change. Like God damn. this bastard <laughs> is going through 10 or 12 costume changes over the course of the single set. Wow. And, and he's, so the, the songs ended and he's like getting the, the crowd pumped And he looks out over the crowd and he's like, I know that all of you want to be really hard, but you've got to look at the children in the audience. And about that time, I'm looking around the audience and there's a bunch of like six-year-old kids up on their parents' shoulders. And he's like, "What? nobody mosh. You know, it's a metal show, but I'm going right. to be doing all the hardcore rocking out for everybody else. Right. Be safe around the kids. And there's these little kids and they've got their faces all painted up. <laughs> and then they've got little <laughs> hearing protection on, like, you know, nice. to protect their ears. And and I, it was right. the weirdest thing because I was just like, oh, that's nice. Good parenting. <laughs> Good parenting. Oh, and and that's a that's a weird juxtaposition for sure. Um, but you know, I I think that actually kind of shows a little bit of like the metal community evolution as time has gone on. And I think it's it's gone through several phases where like you have the metal community where it's just teenagers and they're mad, they're angry, and they just want to fuck shit up. Um, but then they grow up and they have kids, and those kids grow up to be metalheads, and you know. Essentially, every next generation of metalhead, um, like the generation they produce, like uh, becomes a little more conscientious. So, like you know, I've been to a bunch of metal shows where, t- to be honest, like I have felt more politeness and like camaraderie and just general like hope for humanity at metal shows than I have at a lot of Christian conferences. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not saying like. Christian conferences or whatever are bad. I'm just saying that like, this is a, it's, it's a real like community. And you know, these, and the, the fact that Tobias was up there, like already got a lot of shit on his plate. Like <laughs> he is yeah, doing, he's got a, a few bunch. things that he is trying to do simultaneously. 
Right. And he took a minute to just say, like, just be conscientious, be be excellent to everybody. Uh, mind the kids, because, you know, I, I'm guessing uh, a lot of the a lot of the music, you can't really understand the words. So, like, the fucks and shits are somewhat obscured well, by... See, there's not a lot of cussing. It It's... Which it's is even a better. weird juxtaposition, as I've said before. This music <laughs> is is sort of holding itself in parallel in interesting ways. Like, there's not a lot of cursing <laughs> to be found in the music, but right. then again, there's like, I mean, which, there's which some I, I iconography exactly right. going on in the music. That's the thing is that I think that it's normalizing that type of like iconography because there's there's nothing inherently like evil about a lot of that shit like that's why you know with with like ozzy osbourne and stuff like that you couldn't go to those shows because like the 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 amount of drugs and like the the awful depravity that was in some of those shows like like there was lots of like like cursing with some of those bands and things like that so you know there was not a place for somebody that was not of age but like this like you have the, the iconography you have like some creepiness and stuff like that but overall that sounds wholesome as fuck, Frank. Like that sounds like a good <laughs> evening. Um, it was. It was a pretty good time. Like as I said, the people were nice. There was a guy with like a bunch of tattoos and a mohawk who was standing near where I was standing for most of the concert. And at one point, he comes back with a drink for himself and his girlfriend. And there's a lull in the music because, as I said, everything is a is a fucking quick change in the costume department right and he's <laughs> a little like, bit anticlimactic but they, but they make it work <laughs> he's like hey man i just want to say thank you i have been using you to navigate all night long <laughs> <laughs> frank frank the 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 show landmark Oh my God! <laughs> Which usually that's that's honestly a thing that happens. Like I go to a concert and everybody ends up bunching around me from my group because they're like, "Well, we know where Frank is at least." <laughs> oh my God! I love that. And and see, it's so fucking practical. I mean, practical to the point where like the next time I need to go to a a packed show, I may buy you a ticket to to try to lure you along (laughs) so that you can hold our seats, both because of your physical size and intimidating nature, but because, like like you said, you go to the bathroom and you got to get all the way across the stadium and you see Frank fucking Eastman. (laughs) Row row 25 seat E, F, and G. (laughs) And you know your shit is secure. Oh my God. That is so fucking funny. And uh, and the thing is, like, like that is something that, that happens at metal shows. Like, people just are, are are constantly trying to make connections with stuff like that. And and I've had, like, so many good little conversations like that that seem that you, you think they mean nothing. Um, but when you realize the absence of those kind of, like, uh, community building conversations that you that you have inside of metal that they're missing in other things, like... It's it, there's something special about it. You know, we we've talked about like like juggalos before and how they have like a community. Um, I'm not saying every metal community is as um, well put together and organized <laughs> as that, but like that family community, I am I am all for it, and it's fucking heartwarming. I am I am I'm not disappointed I missed this show, but I I am I'm disappointed there's not more acts like it. Oh yeah. And everybody's kind of moving in that direction. It's very, very weird. Like, the, the in the news not too long ago was that, uh, I think it's Violent J, one of the two, I think there's two. You can see how much I know about <laughs> the Juggalos. Uh-huh. But uh, there was a news article where his, like, 12-year-old daughter wanted to go to a furry convention and right. so he was like, that's cool. And he made himself a fursona. Oh my God. That is amazing. Yeah. It's like a Kung Fu panda or something, a Kung Fu bear or a wolf or some, you know, it's some, but some Kung Fu thing. And it's got the same, like his face paint. <laughs> and it's just like, all right, cool. I'm going to go to this furry convention with my daughter. And I guess everybody's going to dress up like 
furry animals, so someone get on making me one of those fursuits, but make sure the face paint looks like mine. God, the ICP running fucking laps around other parents. Um, I mean, the fact that he wore a fucking fursuit... Uh, I'm I'm assuming he didn't make it because those uh, you don't just you don't just make your first one and hop right to a a a big furry convention. I'm sure. Oh yeah, Um, no, I imagine he either he probably commissioned it in some way, but I he got that ICP money like he can afford a craftsman, a furry craftsman. (laughs) I mean, they're singing about like the streets and some fago and shit, but at this point, with the the amount of time and (laughs) money they've been making. He got all the Fago money he wants. Yeah, so. he can buy he can buy all the Fago. He may own Fago <laughs> at this point. Like he bought that shit from Coke. <laughs> I was about to say, like that may be the only reason they still make Fago because I can't remember ever ever having bought it like in the in twenty years. So like a combination of of Killer Mike from ICP and the Juggalos is keeping Fago afloat, <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> See, that's the thing. Metal and all this stuff, like, you mix all these subgenres and subcultures with, like, the internet and let them connect. Everybody turns into a fucking philanthropist. And I love it. <laughs> oh, God. That was so heartwarming. Yeah, it was just, it was one of those weirdly heartwarming things where I'm, I'm at the concert and I'm just like, oh, look, they got hearing protection for the kids. Here little bitty baby ear, <laughs> ear little, protectors. Little baby ear protectors at this satanic metal concert. That's cute. You gotta protect those ears. They, uh... <laughs> all the adults can fuck right off. They already made their bad choices. But the, the kids, they don't they don't have the, uh... uh what's it? Th- they're not of age. They can't make that decision for themselves to ruin exactly. their hearing yet. Yeah, no. And it's good. You gotta protect young ears. Then again, like, directly after he was like, everybody watch the kids and be cool around them... He was like, are you ready for a song that is going to wobble your ass? <laughs> that is so hard, it's going to tickle your taint. <laughs> and then they launched into one called Mummy Dust. And it was, you know, there we go. And then they shot a bunch of uh, money out of a cannon that had like 666 and his face on it. So, you know, family programming. There's a lot to unpack in that statement. I don't think we're going to get to it all. But I just want to say... That after hearing that, consider my taint well and truly tickled. (laughs) All right. Shall we get to the (laughs) deep dive? Yeah, but it's not going to be quite the taint tickler, but that's okay. (laughs) Can't can't all be taint ticklers. All right. Today on the deep dive, I want to talk about misunderstandings with coworkers. So this is a little bit of a vague topic. So let me give you an example to kind of set the stage. Let's say you bring a salad to work on your first day at a new office. John from down the hall asks, oh, are you a vegetarian? You panic and reply, yes, I am, even though you certainly are fucking not a vegetarian. And now John thinks you are. And he will remember that and comment on it every fucking time he sees you. So, Frank, have you have you witnessed or been involved in uh, any weird misunderstandings like this at work? Now, that one, Derek, is kind of less a misunderstanding and more... A really badly thought out lie. A lie brought on by panic and social awkwardness. Well, uh, that's the thing. I think it's about intent. Uh, Because in this scenario, which a a sitcom did this somewhere, or it's, I don't think it's actually from like a a story that I remember from an office that I was in. But, uh, but yeah, I mean. This is something that happens a lot to to socially awkward people is, you know, somebody asks you a question and you just can't come up with the right answer. Like, uh, excuse me, somebody asks you a yes or no question and you got a 50-50 shot of getting it right and you answer wrong every single time. Um, this would be one of those one of those things where, like, you know that you have to say something, so you do, and you immediately fucking regret it. I think this falls under the misunderstandings because uh, it is it is it is prompted by a mistake. Uh, but yes, uh, they did lie to them. They didn't mean to lie to them, but now they have a thing. Now there is a problem that has to be solved. Now, so what? This what do you do? Did kind of happen to me in a low key, but 
very real. And so I'm honestly hoping that no one from an office that I've worked at actually listens to this show. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But at one point, I had been taken aside by my manager who was like, you've been doing a really good job and you've been doing a lot of very innovative stuff. Like, I love how you don't necessarily insert yourself into every conversation or feel like you have to lead every single meeting from the front. Uh huh. For instance, sometimes you'll just come in and start the meeting and then you'll leave <laughs> and monitor it from another room. And I think that's a really good methodology for making sure other people forward themselves in the conversations. Wow. And and legit and for true, (laughs) I'm often not in that meeting because I'm double booked. Right. (laughs) And there is no room in that fucking meeting room in the first place. Right. So I just kind (laughs) of sweep in and start it and then I walk away And then I monitor it from another room while I'm holding yet another meeting. And (laughs) so, like, he's praising me for my innovative technique, and I'm just like, "Mm mm-hmm. That's poor fucking planning. That's all that is. (laughs) That's one of my advanced techniques. (laughs) I like that. So, So the question is, is that something that necessarily needs to be fixed, uh, or do you... Uh, lean into it to try to enhance the positive connotations that that has on your meetings. I mean, he said that he had begun recommending it to other people. Oh, Christ. As as a technique to utilize. So at this point, it is definitely in this work misunderstandings camp because I can't walk that shit back. At no point wow. am I going to be like, hey, no, actually, I don't sit in that meeting on account of the meeting room is over full, and I, I've got other meetings that I have to have scheduled on top of it because I've got a lot of stuff going on. No, no, no. Your innovative strategy is now a core fucking tenant of our aforementioned DAMP methodology. Exactly. Um, this is part of you, DAMP. <laughs> you are going... Uh, which... Uh, if for those that did, did catch that episode, what does DAMP stand for again? Distributed Agile Management Process. Management Process. There we go. Um, which is is a perfect like <laughs> kind of backing into it a little bit. Like that, that's a perfect uh, example of distributed Agile management <laughs> because <laughs> you start the meeting and then you distribute yourself to another fucking room. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and see, I, I like that because I, when I was thinking of the topic, like, I think I thought mostly of like either things that needed to be fixed or things that, um, that because of the misunderstanding, like they cause this weird, uh, I don't know, like, like alter ego to form, uh, in the office. And this, this is kind of like the alter ego, um, but it's but it's a positive one, and it's something that it would behoove of you uh, to continue to support the false narrative. I like it. Yeah, it's not it's not quite the comedy of errors. So I I have not been involved in a lot of these, um, or I have not had any like false assumptions about me. Um, I have. I have made short-lived gaffes that uh, that resulted in misunderstandings about other people, just because I am socially awkward like that. Uh, <laughs> but but the the worst one that I've seen somebody else uh, that basically created this like like I said this alter ego uh, of them at least with this other person is uh, an old buddy of mine from a, a previous job. Uh, there was a an architect who everybody liked, like everybody thought that this architect was. Um, it was really good to, to be friends with him a, because he was cool. Like he was a cool guy. Um, but also like he, he was the, the people that were around him were teaching a lot of, uh, he was teaching a lot of his skills too. So it was a good career move. Um, you might see yourself like get some more attention, things like that. So like butting up this guy was a good thing to do. So essentially what one of the, you know, my, my buddy did is, uh, 
a couple guys and the architect were talking about NFL football and he walked up and made kind of a, a an informed comment about NFL football. Now, the friend did not know a lot about football. He literally knew that one thing about football because he had seen it in a commercial from that previous week. Uh, so it was it was football. It was current events. He was like, I can contribute. From that moment forward. <laughs> I know something. Yeah, and we and have yeah. now exhausted my NFL knowledge. Right. And he thought that like it would be a momentary, uh, this guy's going to think I'm I'm part of the clique. And that's going to be the end of it. This guy started coming to my buddy's desk and talking to him about football for 15 minutes a day, at least. And like fast forward a little bit because like nothing changed. Like he continued to keep this act up for no shit. Three months, like (laughs) every single day. For three months, this guy came in and <laughs> had a conversation with him about football. And like it, he wanted it to be a dialogue. So like the first one, he got caught off guard. And it's like, oh, shit. You know, this guy's going to talk to me about football. I need to prepare. And so this motherfucker started watching NFL football just, <laughs> just so that he could uh. keep up this lie that he was into NFL football. And... Like, he was doing, he was so fucking stressed about it. Like, he was, oh my god. Like, every day, he was just, like, sweating bullets, like, for when the guy would come around and talk to him about football. Um, And, like, he would, like, take notes after he was done. Uh, It's like, oh shit, I kind of misstated this, things like this. Like, it became, um, I mean, you would have thought he worked for the fucking, like, Secret Service, like, or the CIA. Like, this guy was deep undercover (laughs) as a fucking football fan. (laughs) And it took over his life. It didn't necessarily take over his job. Like, he was still able to do his job. But, like, his outside of work time, he was watching replays of NFL fucking football. To which... And this is how he became the biggest NFL fan in the entire company and hated football the entire time. That is exactly right. Uh, to the point where they, he came in like second place in uh, the the fantasy football league that they had. Uh, you know, a few months after this had first started, and uh, out of a pool of like fifty or sixty people, so it's like he did a good job. Like he did his homework thoroughly, um, but he hated every single second of it. Um, so in that particular case, like. <laughs> I I kind of let it happen. Like I kind of told him a couple times, like, you know, it seems like too much work what you're doing, but I didn't really tell him to stop because I really wanted to see how it shook out. Uh, <laughs> so like, uh, I I didn't I didn't tell him you should not do this. It I just let it go on until the the eventual. I, I mean the the eventual end of the story is that he left the company because he couldn't take it. <laughs> He literally stressed himself out of the job. He did. Like, he's like, this is a great fucking job, but I can't take the pressure (laughs) of of dealing with with this football fanatic. And I mean, he's cool now. Like, he's in a better job now. But but it's still that was that was harsh. (laughs) I have approximate knowledge of many things. And so I get into this kind of situation not infrequently where like someone will be saying something and then I will just kind of interject the one piece of random trivia that I have about it. Right. But it's often like a fairly deep cut. You know, it's not like just surface (laughs) like I like Batman. He's got the Batman right. costume, and he's got that bat thing in the sky. You know, Not I just something come that, in... that a casual fan would know. Like this is like you, know, you happen to stumble upon it. You had a deep, deep cut about it, and it should mean that you're a deep that you're a big fan of it. But it doesn't. Yeah, it's like I read the Killing Joke, and no other Batman comic books <laughs> in either direction. And now <laughs> you know people are like, "Hey, let me talk to you about the most recent Batman," and I'm like. Mm, let's see here. <laughs> <laughs> this seems to be a misunderstanding. 
the the easiest way to deal with this though is you just pretend that you're some kind of hipster snob and you're just like mm, you know i kind of fell out of that <laughs> i just i i pretended to like football my entire life but i just decided that was enough football i'm done football got too big got too political <laughs> i stopped watching it okay I wouldn't say the political one right now, <laughs> because uh, that puts you on the wrong side of history. But uh, but I will say yes, like saying that the NFL got too big, um, it's like the most bullshit to say for somebody who quit watching football like like you know six months ago, because it's been it's been big. Like we're on Super Bowl like fifty something. Like it's been it's been big for that long, <laughs> longer than all of us have been alive. Most of us have been alive so i will say this like it, it can lead to some some funny interactions but like overall uh i i didn't really want to be around it because like it it produced a lot of secondhand embarrassment as i you know i was kind of the audience knowing that this was happening uh i was basically like me watching an episode of the office like that's that's how bad it was as far as secondhand embarrassment um when really it it could have been solved by somebody just being honest for just like a minute. Yeah, just one uncomfortable conversation like, ah, sorry, I I exhausted all of my NFL knowledge with that one shot. Like, that's it. Right. That was all I had. I had one in the chamber and it's gone now. <laughs> and it's not getting refilled. I'm, the, like, I'm a big it. enough bastard that if I knew that this was happening... I would then go and study NFL stuff, not deep, but again, oh, no. just some of those oh, deep my God. cut sort of <laughs> subjects. So that Learning I about could... like the the deep offensive linemen or the second string and stuff like that. Things that that once again are not surface level, just right below. And then and then what? Just just so I could quick. interject myself, you know, into their conversation while he's trying to stick to the high level stuff so that he can make it seem like he knows what he's talking about. I can just kind of sidle up to the conversation and be like, hmm, yeah, special teams this year was kind of weak. <laughs> That's special teams, huh? <laughs> I mean, they got nothing on the bench. Anyway, I got a meeting I got to get to. Oh, that is so cruel because it's literally just, they already have that, like that dagger, uh, kind of lodged in their ribs and they're just trying to not force it deeper, but you're coming by and twisting it just a little bit <laughs> to make it so much worse. Oh my God. And, and the thing is like, then like they can't really uh, do. Okay. So let me ask this. So if the roles are reversed, this happened to you. Um, you're, you're in a, a a weird alter ego scenario where you're trying to fend off this this would be like mega fan of you know Batman or something like that, and somebody else tries doing this to you. What would be what would your reaction be? Like how would you feel in that scenario? You know that you're you're beat. Like <laughs> oh well, see here's the thing, Derek. At that point, if if I know that I have entered myself into this situation, like it is my boss and he loves Batman, and I happen to have said something about Batman, and now he wants to talk about Batman all the time, Uh huh. I'm going to study up on Batman. As I was about to say. <laughs> They're going to come at me with some old school Batman trivia bullshit, and I'm just going to judo throw it, because I'm not going to get caught off guard. If I'm if I'm not going to be honest and just step in and say, nah, you know, I, I read the one comic, and that was... That was all I had, really. I I just touched on pretty famous one, and and then I kind of backed away from the whole thing. If I'm not going to say that, then I've got to go all in. You know, I've got oh some homework God. to do. I'm going to be reading a whole lot of Batman comics, and everybody around me is going to be like, "Why the fuck are you reading Batman comics from the 1970s?" See, that is so beautiful. And and the thing is, I I've known you long enough to know that. That it's not for the same reasons that that I would do that, like, and and I feel that I would probably do the same thing too, um, but but my my whole purpose for doing that would be to avoid an awkward social interaction or to or to not disappoint somebody, 
like because they're crestfallen face of me telling them uh no i don't actually give two shits about the topic that you have spent you know uh, apparently the better part of your adult life uh indulging in i don't know anything about that and watching them you know be sad and then walk away that would crush me and i couldn't deal with that so i would pretend i would i would destroy my life I would set myself on fire to keep themselves to keep them warm for just a little longer. Um, But but for you, I know I know for sure that this would literally just be like a strategic move. Like (laughs) it is my boss likes Batman. By God, if I'm going to eventually crush him in my iron like grip, I will have to know my enemy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. At some point, he's got to be like, Jesus Christ, I can't. I can't keep up with this guy. He is like a Batman fanatic. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, so so here's where it starts to become a problem, because what if he started liking Batman because his boss was a fan of Batman? So now, uh, you are now three deep. Uh, it creates a terrible situation for him because he's you know he's doing it you know upwards and downwards but you it presents a chance for you to be to see him and his boss in a conversation about batman and to drop in and best him in one-on-one batman combat and here's the thing derek i think we've hit upon it actually nobody likes comic books (laughs) this has just been going on for decades Everybody, oh, everybody is like reading comic books. Everybody else oh. is reading comics just just so they can fend off the other comics nerds. It's just a cold war. That makes that explains everything. <laughs> that literally explains everything about the comic book culture. Like, holy shit! Did we just stumble upon the one innate truth about the world? Like death taxes. And that nobody actually likes comics. They're just reading them so that nobody else can shit on them about not knowing about comic books. Exactly. I I think we have we have struck it. Wow. I did not I did not think that in less than a year we would get to the absolute truth of the universe like this. Well, that's oh, it. that's a heavy. That's the end of the, that's the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> just leaving you with that, Jim. You're welcome. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. (laughs) No, 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 no. Okay. All right. We're kidding. There's there's at least some more. (laughs) Okay. Should I go to the audience question then, Derek? Oh, yes, please do. Oh. (laughs) Oh, that's going to keep me up at night because I'm going to be like cataloging all the interactions I've had with comic book nerds. And this is probably why they get so angry, because, you know, they don't like being challenged <laughs> after they've wasted so much time. They're like, no, I have worked too hard. <laughs> I, have, I have I have, toiled so long in the crucible of the comic book, uh, and I've hated every moment, but I have done it so that I could be this pristine, I've, so I could be in fighting form for this battle. Christ, I'm a cracker. All right. All right, question from the audience. <laughs> Business boys. I'm a blue-collar yes. worker, so I work like hell for an honest day's pay, and I enjoy it most of the time. My partner has a decidedly white-collar gig where he shows up in time for his first meeting, leaves whenever, and spends most of his day sitting on his ass, drawing a way bigger check than I do, to say nothing of the differences in social standing. Boys, this don't feel right. What can I do to fix the massive undervaluation of manual labor in American society? Or should I just push my man down the stairs and wear his skin as my new business casual? Aggrieved in Annapolis. Uh, okay, first things first. Um, so they addressed us as the business boys. Yes. It's got a pretty good ring to it. I like I gotta it. To be honest, I honestly, I honestly have to say, I like it. I like it. It could be one of those undercurrent nicknames that you know we didn't right. give ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> so the question is how how to spell boys? 
I, I know I have my favorite. Uh, what, what's your favorite spelling of boys? <sighs> I don't know. Like, I'm tempted for the I, but I just don't uh-huh. think that I'm young enough for an I. I think but, I but have to the have thing. the thing. It's an irony. It's irony. It's tongue in cheek. No, right. Okay, let me say this. Nobody in on fucking planet Earth is young enough for the B-O-I-E to be a non-ironic thing. So, like, don't even sweat it, brother. <laughs> All right, then we'll, we'll just embrace it. Business boys it is. Business boys. All right. B-O-I-S. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> now I want a fucking t-shirt with business boys. All right, if you guys want to, to see a, a t-shirt of business boys... Uh, work life and balance branded products. Send it to feedback at wlicast.com. We get enough email uh, emails about it. I will fucking make it happen, and we'll have a business boys shirt. I I want it so bad, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I, want I guess we'll make to want it happen, this. Derek. Uh, okay. Um. So, uh, the rest of this, I'm having trouble figuring out what order to tackle this in because I feel the the thing that I feel the strongest about what they said is the skin suit thing. Like, I feel that's a that's a bit assumptive. Like, you'd have to get real lucky for you to be able to push your 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 partner down the stairs and be able to just slip willy nilly into their skin suit that's yeah. just that's fucking hubris like i mean yeah there's, there's probably gonna have to be some tailoring right i mean i went <laughs> and that is not something you take to the dry cleaner like oh no no like i went to a reading by neil gaiman uh-huh and i was like hmm i guess you get to live neil because I was just going to steal your face and wear it and take over your life, but you're not that big of a man, and right. they would just see my face peeking out around the edges. <laughs> it, would, it would be kind of a Haley Joel Osmond, just uh, just scaled up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> so I was big like... Big head, mm, tiny face. I can't, I can't get away with it. So yeah, that, I mean, that's my problem. I can't, I can't wear anybody else's skin suit and take over their life, but I mean, maybe yeah. aggrieved can. Yeah. Like back to like episode one of the podcast, like you'd basically have to steal the skin suit of like half Thor Bjornsson, uh, the mountain from, uh, from game of Thrones. Like that's pretty much the only guy that you could steal his skin suit and, uh, and be okay. And even then I worry because it's it might be a little snug, like not height wise, but like, yeah, dude, dude is four hundred pounds with abs. Yeah, <sighs> he's got abs. I don't, I don't necessarily have abs. I think at best I would be like point two five Thor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't, I don't want to get. We've we've gone fifty, like almost fifty episodes, not having to define the scale at which you are considered, you know, quarter Thor, half Thor, full Thor. Um, I, I don't, I really don't want to rehash it now, to be honest. Like <laughs> we, we escaped that morass, uh, long ago and I don't want to go back. Um, but no, so like, like, yeah, I, I think that there would be some tailoring that you would have to be like, if you're a crafty person already, which like you said, you know, I, I know that you are a, uh, a, a blue collar worker, somebody who works with their hands, a craftsman and, I think sewing is well in your wheelhouse. So if there's a, if there is, <laughs> if there's a possibility that you could tailor it to fit you, um, not a bad idea. I mean, I guess it's an idea. It is. Okay. That, that's a good point. It is an idea. So I, I honestly think that as I, as I move through the world of American capitalism, it is something of a truism that the less one does, the more one gets paid. So I'm just that is, wondering. That is absolutely fucking true. I'm wondering if this person can't just show up and declare themselves like the, the foreman? foreman or the CEO or something. Maybe start with a small step up. Just say, <laughs> I'm general manager. Right. And then do less work and see if their paycheck doesn't increase. 
And the thing is, like, I don't necessarily think there are rules in place to combat that. So if somebody walks in and said, I'm the foreman now, look at me, look at me. I'm the foreman now. Um, there's no rules in the books that say that they're not like, it's just the first yeah. one to claim it becomes the foreman. So that's like King of the Hill, really, you know, like whoever, <laughs> whoever has knocked off the last foreman gets to be foreman now. So, I mean, I, I totally agree. And what, what else could we do? Um, I mean, do you think it would have to be a trial by combat or could it be like a skill trial or like an intense stare down? Um, and I, I think we still haven't necessarily solved the problem oh, of no. manual no, no. labor being undervalued, being undervalued and, and artificially. So like, that's the thing is that like with, with craftsmen and these, you know, you know, so-called blue collar jobs, uh, you know, manual labor is undervalued by the people at the top because you know, they don't necessarily, they don't want to be doing the manual labor work, but they're, the thing is, like, manual labor jobs, like, if, if nobody does the manual labor, like, literally, like, buildings don't get built, like, concrete doesn't get laid, like, there are so, there's nothing in this fucking world that would work without manual labor, without craftsmen, so, as somebody who has no physical capabilities of doing anything, it is mind-boggling the people that can, um, so I think they should get paid more, um, but that also, like, the inverse of that is that I should get paid less, and I don't want that either. Like, can we all just get paid? It's a harsh a future, Derek. <laughs> it's a harsh future in which you and I both must learn to be useful. No. No, not that. Not that, Frank. Anything but that. <laughs> oh, it's going to take so long to be useful. <laughs> we will be sweaty. <laughs> yes yes there will be sweat <laughs> and, oh, and it's so like terrifying. i i was a stagehand for 45 minutes <laughs> i thought okay i thought this was gonna be a tale of you that i didn't know uh but no then we wrapped around to <laughs> the one hour of physical labor you have done in the last 20 years Glad well, we're revisiting it. <laughs> uh, well, we're gonna have to revisit it. Yeah, it's I've I've got a very very narrow bench to pull from, Derek, in terms of <laughs> the tales of physical labor. I was waitstaff for a short period of time, and mm -hmm. I was a stagehand for a hot minute. And and I'm thinking now that one of the ways that we fix this is it's a failure of framing people don't have perspective so they feel like at the top they have been very diligent hardworking, and they do a lot of very tough things mm -hmm. and they feel they deserve to make approximately seven thousand times as much <laughs> as anyone else in the organization right i think we should have a system by which if you are at one level in the organization, you have to have periodic revisitations to doing like the lowest level job in the organization. I agree with that. A hundred and ten fucking percent. Like, I, I think you're right. I think the disconnection is what spawns a lot of the, oh, these people are less important. Because they don't realize that, that nothing gets done without those people. So forcing them to go back and do it, uh, or, or not even go back and do it, but maybe do it for the first time. Uh, I think that would be extremely fucking effective. <laughs> if for no other reason than to make sure they never have to do that again. <laughs> would, be, would that not be such a, an amazing deterrent? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it would be like... I, I have to say, if I had to go collect the garbage, oh, I would God. probably be out there going, you know, the garbage guys need to be paid more. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. Like, I know for a fact that the little dude at the office who goes around unclogging the toilets oh. and there's only the one guy. Right. <laughs> he doesn't seen... get paid enough. No. Absolutely not. Whatever he gets paid, 
It's not enough. Um, because, I mean, let's just get out there in front of it and say, like, there are a lot of jobs that touch, like, an in- infinitely more amount of poop during the day than I do. I think that qualifies them to, to, to make as much as I do. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Ugh. I mean, it would make a really good episode or a really good series of undercover boss. Like, and that's the thing is that you can see that type of thing happening in like undercover boss. Like they send the the CEO down to work in like, in like a short order cook restaurant. Like it, it brings a whole new reality about this. Of course, it also gets like a lot of people get fired because (laughs) they're just being like, Normal people, they don't get paid a lot, so they kind of fuck around and, and don't know the CEO is standing right there. Um, so it's kind of a two-edged sword. But, like, those CEOs gain a lot of perspective about, wow, uh, you know, I make, like you said, 7,000 times more than, than this person does. Uh, they have their problems. They are they are skilled at this thing. Um, why do I make so much more than they do? And I do... 10% of the work. So I, I think everybody should have to have a turn at being an undercover boss for sure. Without a TV show. Like there can't be Without- a TV show. <laughs> no, there aren't enough cameras. Like it, we, we would have like 45 seasons of undercover boss filmed in a week. And, and you'd never make it through that, through that catalog ever. So no, no TV cameras at all. Want to get to an issue from the internet? Sure. That was a that's a weird transition. All right, the title for this one is Asked to Secretly Obtain Coworker's Knowledge Before He Gets Fired by Dark Cygnus. Well, this reads well already. Like <laughs> Yeah, it's got a very ominous feel to it already. Uh Dark Cygnus is not helping. I mean, is that a reference to something? Like I don't, if it is, I don't know it, but at the same time, I'm like waiting for the message board post that's like <laughs> how to overthrow Senate by right. definitely not Darth Palpatine, you know, like <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. Like, like that's what it kind of evoked in my mind is like the whole, uh, you know, Emperor Palpatine, you know, Sith Lord type of aesthetic so uh i i really i really wanted it to be but i don't think it is so yeah we're starting a little little ominous already i was recently told by my manager that one of my co-workers we'll call him steve will be fired in a few weeks as his last reviews were found unsatisfactory my manager also told me to inquire and observe more closely steve's work and clients from now on in quotations or in parentheses he works on sales and marketing so his knowledge is preserved in the company, and so I can learn more about those things. More parentheticals, as I will be assigned some of his tasks and clients after he leaves. Now, I was also told to do this with discretion, so he doesn't suspect anything unusual is happening. Also, it is my understanding that his firing will be immediate, so he won't be getting any previous notice whatsoever. I can't help but feel that I should warn Steve somehow, as it seems unethical to fire him without any previous notice thus affecting him greatly, not to mention asking me to spy on him and pretend nothing is going on. What is my best course of action? I mean, you can't tell him. This is why people get fired sort of off the cuff and suddenly to them while it's been well-planned in the background. So that he doesn't have an opportunity to go and sabotage all of those client relationships or anything. Right, which which is important, I guess. I get that. Like, you know, you don't want him going and like whispering and, and ruining, ruining all of his, uh, you know, all of his relationships with all of the sales clients and things like that. But, but I, I mean, I don't think you can ask someone else to spy on that person in order to gain their knowledge. Like, Hey, can you go insinuate yourself into this guy's social click? Uh, so that when we stab him, we'll know where the keys are, you know, like, hmm. I mean, we're, we're going back to like the, like kind of social espionage type of thing where, you know, if somebody has to like step in and ingratiate themselves with, with this, like you said, this click and 
glean the knowledge. But but I think I think I think to kind of like your previous point, or, or as in rather, it's a an extension of your previous point is you kind of have to pick. You can either <laughs> you can either get knowledge transfer, and uh, you you can have a soft transition from one person to another, uh, or you have to fire them and and know you're losing that information. Like those are your two fucking choices. Doing this yeah. clandestine bullshit is is it is incomprehensible. <laughs> like, your mission, like, should you choose to accept it? Like that is a bad deal for everybody. Like the boss is treading on some thin fucking ice. He's putting he's putting this other coworker or or he's putting the question asker in some serious fucking danger. Like I mean, how, how much, how much power does this guy have? Like if he's like walks over to his computer while the guy got up to go take a leak and was like reading his emails, like and and he gets caught for it. Like that's, that's going to fall on him. That's not going to fall on the manager. Like, do you think, do you think HR knows about this clandestine plan to have this soft rollover, uh, by spying on the guy. Oh, I have to assume HR is not involved. And and here's the thing. Like, even if I wanted to do it, I wouldn't do it with an internal resource. Because that guy then knows that's how I be. <laughs> and then every time we hire someone new, he's going to be like, mm, I've got my eye on you, new guy. Wow. So it's kind of like uh like the, all the 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 physical labor that built like the pyramids and stuff. Uh I forget who, what what exact story it was, but basically they they built this big temple or shrine and then they killed all the workers and the architect so that nobody would know how it works. Like is this the type of like scorched earth that you have to employ? Maybe this is some sort of maybe it's the start. Maybe this is what this boss guy is going to do. He's going to collect all the information until he's the only person that knows all of it. As he slowly gets rid of everyone else in the organization. Wow. Uh, No, he's a manager and that would involve doing work. (laughs) I was about to say, I was trying to get there. The wheels were spinning. I was like, I was like, that sounds like it's possible. And it's certainly on the way there. But there's something I'm not considering. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bosses don't like to do work. So. <laughs> so, so, okay. So it is not, probably not his boss's uh, secret attempt to amass all the power or all the knowledge. Not even all the power. Because if he's, if he's like axing people below him, he's not necessarily gaining more power, just gaining more work. Yeah, hmm. I, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking this is a service that I could start a staffing agency for okay. office spies. Like you're specifically hiring this temp worker to come in and learn everything about a job on the DL, so that you don't lose any knowledge when you knife somebody else. But then they don't, like, they already know the score. That's why they're there. And then they just roll back out of the organization. So so then what happens to the knowledge that they acquired? Do they, is it just like uh, intense documentation and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. They, they've got to have a debrief. Like, there's a mission okay. debrief at the end after the deed is done. Okay. So that, that solves you from losing the information. It solves you, it solves the problem of... Uh, endangering a resource or you know, doing something uh, that that could endanger that resource. I mean, it, I guess it would have to be somewhat expensive, though. Like, I mean, contractors are already pretty expensive. I mean, I guess losing that, uh, losing information is losing money, too. So, hmm. I mean, I'm not saying I would use that service, but I, I am saying it is filling a very particular but very necessary gap <laughs> in the in the software community. I'm, I'm sure that we could probably name it something innocuous like Knowledge Retention Specialist LLC. 
So I was thinking uh, of calling it like office supplies, uh, but there's like <laughs> uh, so office supplies, office supplies LLC. But then on the business cards they hand out, uh, if you shine a certain light, UP and the L go away. And so it just says office S P I E S. Ah, I like it. Office spies. I I think it it's it's a good it's a good smoke screen. It uh let, let you get really creative with your with your business cards, which I I, I think is important to any successful business venture. <laughs> it's having a good uh a good business card marketing strategy. I mean, God knows I've spent enough time on my business cards that I've handed out to two people. <laughs> But when the time comes, we've got them. <laughs> when I remember to to take a stack of them to the coffee shop that I go to every fucking weekend and have for the last year and still have forgotten the business cards, uh, it will be glorious. One of these days. <laughs> but probably not this weekend. Because <laughs> I'm an idiot. So, okay. So if if they don't go with the route of employing a third-party service to do this for them. Um, I mean, if if you were asked to do this as the the question asker, like, what the fuck can you do? Like, you, he obviously already feels like he doesn't have the power to say no to this. Like, what could you possibly fucking do in, in this situation? I mean, honestly, if I were asked this, this is a situation in which I'm like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay. And then, like, as the boss is walking away, I have my resume open and am polishing it to send out. Right. Like, as I said, if I know that this bastard does like this, then every time someone new comes into the office, I'm looking over my shoulder to see who's going to stick a knife in my back. Anytime anybody's like, hey, so what you working on there? You know, I'm going to be like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> set up, uh, set up like some, some big, uh, uh, like big partitions, uh, or like sound curtains uh, around your entire cube so that literally nobody knows what you're working on ever. Yeah. Someone comes by and they're like, that's a pretty neat function. And then you've just got them by the lapels and you're like, who sent you? <laughs> <laughs> you forget, you forget my fucking name. You forget what this code looked like. You forget everything. So I, I mean, think the second wing of office spies is going to have to be office counter spies. And you hire the office counter spy to spy on the spy that your boss bought to spy on you. So that you get a report back so that you know that you're being spied on. My head hurts so bad right now. Like, I know we're only, like, one level deep of espionage, but this is why I'm not a good spy. Like, it's <laughs> already too confusing for me. Oh, God. <sighs> you're, just, you're just rolling in like, hello, fellow agents. I am glad to see you, too. Please do be pointing me in the direction of state secrets. <laughs> that was I, I'm telling you, there's a reason that I'm not sitting on any clandestine operations. But you know, the only the only thing I think is a problem with your your plan of the contractors is that with those, you know, so let's say let's say you have a team of ten people. Uh, one person has a lot of knowledge but isn't performing, and you have to gain their knowledge, but you want to fire them. Who do you call? I mean, who watches the Watchmen? Who? <laughs> Who spies for the office spies? I mean, you've got, you've got, it's office spies all the way down, Derek. At, at a certain point, it becomes one manager and one actual worker. And everyone else in the office is just spying on various people to report back to others. So if, if they, if they actually do work at some point. Well, they have to, to maintain their cover. Right. I think you're just hiring contractors, like regular software developers. Some nosy ass regular software developers. <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, <laughs> don't defeat my dream, Derek. <laughs> this is at 160% markup over a regular software developer because this is an office spy. 
They have special training. <laughs> they know Java and Krav Maga. <laughs> Which they, it's a portmanteau of, of Java Maga. Java Maga? Krava? <laughs> oh no. These are all really bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, this is, uh, I just, uh, you gave me two things, I taped them together, I threw them back on, at your fucking feet. What do you want? Like, that's the best portmanteau I can make from those two things. That's how comedy works. <laughs> I give you something, you staple it together and throw it back at me. It's like, is this comedy? <laughs> that fucking butterfly meme. Right? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Want to punch the clock, Derek? Yeah. Let's punch a clock. If you'd like to send us a question to answer on air, please send them to questions at WLICast.com. If you want to connect with us, you can go to WLICast.com, where you'll find all of our social media links, and can also find links to our store, Patreon, and other ways you can support the show. A big thank you to our growing list of patrons on Patreon. You lovely people have pitched in to help us make this show bigger and better, and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And there's nothing better for growing our audience than word of mouth, and that means if you like the show, share us with people you know and tell them all about us. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, tell a frenemy. This has been the Work Life Imbalance Podcast. I'm Frank Eastman. I'm Derek Lewis. And with that, I think we're going to have to transfer you. <laughs> Who said we couldn't turn this into a music podcast? We got the chops. <sighs> I don't think we do, Derek. Well, I, I, I guess it's also a Mission Impossible reference, so we could turn it into a movie podcast. That's what the world needs, Derek, is another movie <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Touche, honky. Touche. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.